Blue Wire. All right. No messing around. Let's get to this. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome to Playoff Recap episode of Unsalvageable. With me, Sarah Todd, jazz beat reporter for the Deseret News, and as always, my co-host, Greg Foster. Hello. Hello. It's it's late for <laughs> good, Greg. Good morning. It's Monday morning. Yeah, we're recording this about 12.33 a.m. after game one. Greg, the Jazz dropped game one to the Grizzlies, 112-109. We're going to get to the game. We're going to get to all of that stuff. But first, we have to talk about what happened before the game. And that was that very unexpectedly this afternoon, we learned that Donovan Mitchell was not going to be playing tonight. And that's after... He was cleared for full practice and completely off the injury report as of Thursday and has reportedly been practicing with the team. And then we hear today that he won't be playing uh, late scratch. Yes. I want your insider opinion on this because you are much closer to the sources than I am. Here's what we can say. From the Jazz, they are saying that the, the training and the medical staff got together after shoot around this morning to evaluate Donovan's situation. They, for whatever reason, reasons we are not being told, they were unhappy or uncomfortable maybe with his progress and didn't feel good about clearing him to play. What we can also say is that Donovan Mitchell is not a happy camper. I think that is pretty obvious given his, uh, his Instagram posts. I know NBA players like to be a little cryptic. Donovan was not cryptic. He has been very open about not being happy. And when you post Jay-Z's politics as usual, that's pretty indicative of some inner politics. I don't think that you need to get your, your crystal ball or your orb out or, you know, I think you can read the tea leaves there. No Rudy crystal needed for this situation. None. None. He also posted uh, about around midnight. He posted, sorry, I wasn't there. I wish I could say more. See you soon. I don't know what more he's going to say. Um, I mean, also, I should say, you know, there there was speculation that this could have been some sort of gamesmanship that maybe the Jazz were trying to lead on that they were going to play him and then scratched him to mess with the Grizzlies. That's not the situation here. Donovan thought that he was going to play. He said this morning, I'm ready to go. The rest of the team thought that he was going to play. We spoke to them after the game and... They were, they all learned the information basically after their afternoon naps today, the same time that we all learned that Donovan wouldn't be playing about three or 4 PM. Right. And they were surprised and shocked. And you have to imagine that that had something to do with how they came out tonight. Sure. And I mean, it's, it's hard to argue otherwise. I think, you know, when you put, you're putting together a game plan and you have your all-star shooting guard who's coming back a guy who averages 26 points who's balled out this season then all of a sudden he's a late scratch that throws a huge wrench in the plans and you know eric walden the beat reporter for the salt lake tribune tweeted out uh in the post game interviews when they were interviewing rudy and this is a direct quote of rudy gobert on the donovan mitchell situation quote it was a big surprise but i try to stay out of all this it's just going to give me a headache when you wake up from a nap and find out your star player isn't going to play, it throws you off a little bit. And I think it's safe to say that Jazz were thrown off a little bit in this game. Yeah. And you know, I, I was there when Rudy said that, and it was a it was a 
little bit of an awkward moment because, you know, there were pauses in between what he said. It was like, I don't want to get into that. It's just going to give me a headache. And so it was, was, he was choosing his words carefully. Yeah. He was being very deliberate with what he said. Everyone was asked, you know, Mike and Bowie on the same things. And, you know, they did, they said what they were supposed to, which was very little. And that also it had nothing to do with how they played tonight. They should have played better, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I don't care that they said that there's no way that you, you know, go throughout the week thinking Donovan's going to be playing next to you. And then, you know, three and a half hours before tip off, you find out he's not going to be there. That's, that's rough. That is. But again, like you said, that is not the reason the jazz lost this game. It is. It may, it is, it may have played a factor, but it was not the major factor, but sorry, when you, you, you come off and it, you know, there's the, there's the saying that rest equals rust. We definitely saw that throughout the entire game. Jazz couldn't make a shot. They were, they shot 34% from the field and 19% on threes in the first half. They, they coughed up the ball. They had 10 turnovers, 14 for the game. And it just seemed like, it seemed like the jazz had nerves. Like they were, they were trying to do too much and they were forcing things in the beginning of the game. Like they really wanted to come out of the gate and prove to people that like, Hey, we are not around. We are the jazz. We are the number one seed. Denver was a fluke and they get all over themselves. They shot a 25.5% from three on the game. And that is for their second worst shooting performance of the entire season. I wrote about this after the game. You can't just live and die by the three. You have to be able to score in other ways. And if those, it's not like I want the jazz to not take those shots. George Niang had open, clear looks that normally he would have made. He went one of six Jordan Clarkson for the first time this season did not make a three pointer. Yeah. What was his streak? His streak was something crazy and it came to an end tonight. Yeah. It was like, it was, it was well over 80 games Mm -hmm. and I don't want them to stop shooting the ball. No one does. I mean, Quinn even said in his post game, George doesn't take those shots. I'm going to be mad at him. But when they aren't falling, you've got to find another way to generate stuff. And the, and when they tried tonight, they just didn't execute well. They turned the ball over all the time. They were very stagnant. Then they got into foul trouble. That created all sorts of problems. It, it was like everything that could have gone wrong in a game plan against the Memphis Grizzlies went wrong. Yeah. And I think the biggest problem for me was the Jazz at one time had a 14-point lead on the Grizzlies. And then they promptly gave up a 7. It was a 17-2 to two run in the second quarter over three and a half minutes. It got the Grizz back in the game. It got them all the confidence they need, needed. You know, and in that three and a half minutes, the Jazz missed 11 of 14 shots. And we talked about it on the last pod that the Jazz kind of fall into this, this bad habit of just thinking they can just turn it on whenever they want. It's like, it's like watching a toddler play with their food and like, yeah, you can turn it on, but why would you put yourself in that position? Why would you step off the gas when you've got a 14 point lead and you are cruising? And in that moment, it kind of looked like it was like a boxing match with a jazz. that just hit the Grizzlies with that one, two combo and they were staggering and against the ropes. And then all of a sudden you don't throw the uppercut. Right. And then you allow you allow the Grizzlies to get get back. They got in their corner and all of a sudden for the rest of the game, they're the ones throwing the flurries. Yeah, I think I mean, enough can't be said about poor execution 
if we're talking about it on the podcast, the Jazz know about it. The scouting department knows. It's not like they don't know what Memphis does well. And the mm-hmm. one thing that Memphis does well is force you to turn the ball over, pick up steals, run in transition, get offensive boards. And the Jazz didn't stop them from doing any of that. They turned the ball over in live situations over and over again. That just gives the Grizzlies confidence. I mean, Kyle Anderson had five steals at halftime. Yeah. yeah, six for the game, <laughs> including that to. one where he just he picks Bogey's pocket and then goes in for the slowest dunk I've ever seen in my life. The Jazz just they they fed into exactly what the Grizzlies do well, and then when you know when they're climbing back, they're clawing back into the game. We talked about one of the big thing, one of the biggest weaknesses of this Grizzlies team is that they get into foul trouble. Well, guess who got into foul trouble tonight? Rudy Gobert gets four fouls by the top of the third quarter, fouls out in the fourth. Mike Conley's got five fouls. He has to sit down for an extended period of time. And without Donovan Mitchell there to pick up things when Mike Conley's not calming the offense and running things, it got ugly. The offense was stagnant. They weren't doing anything. It led to more turnovers. Uh, It was just every, everything that they should have done right. They did wrong. Right. Yeah, and when you have all three of your All-Stars sitting on the bench for long periods of time, Donovan, the entire game, that's going to make it really tough sledding. And it honestly makes things unfair for the rest of the team. Rudy and Mike have a responsibility to stay on the floor. I thought that, that Chuck said something kind of profound, which is wild that I'm thinking that about Charles Barkley, because <laughs> I don't think that... Charles Barkley is good at talking or being an analyst, but he said, you know, Rudy was saying something about, oh, I didn't, I don't know how the the referees were, were blowing the whistle in the game. And Chuck right. was like, well, then obviously don't do what you were doing, dude. Yeah. Like, I mean, you've got to learn from your mistakes. And I understand, I, I mean, this was not the greatest officiated game of all time. I mean, on both sides. It was bad. The officiating, I mean. But that's not why the Jazz lost. It is not. It is not. Not at all. So the more I hear about blaming the refs, Jack, just stop. The refs didn't shoot 25%. The refs didn't cough the ball up. The refs didn't let, the the refs weren't the ones getting cooked by Dylan Brooks. Nobody on the Jazz matched Dylan Brooks' intensity. He was everywhere. That man was a dog. And he brought the fight to Utah, and Utah didn't bring the fight to him. And that's why you're holding an L. The refs did not play drop defense on every single one of John Moran's floaters. Yeah. And I think which brings up a good point in that this was, this might have been Derek Favors' best game offensively of the season. He was everywhere. And I applaud Derek because he played his off that's what i wrote about after the game in a game that was terribly wrong there was one lone bright spot and it was Derek favors yeah but at the same time if we're gonna praise we also have to flip the script he was hunted and the Derek favors we're seeing now the 30 year old Derek favors is not the 25 year old Derek favors who is averaging 16 and 8 the man does not have the same lateral quickness that he used to have and the man cannot protect the rim or protect the paint like he used to and even in that drop coverage he couldn't he gave up floater after floater to John Morant. He was giving up shots to Valanchunas and just didn't have it. So as good as he was, it, it wasn't enough. And honestly, if Derek Favors is your best player on the floor, 
you are losing games. I w- I'll push back a little bit on that and say Derek Favors was like matching the physicality of the game with Valanciunas. I was impressed with how well he was actually playing on defense, considering what we've seen through the regular season. I mean, going Fair. into this, I was not, I was really thinking that the Jazz were going to be in trouble in the non-Rudy minutes. And so then when Rudy got in foul trouble, I was like, oh boy, here we go. Right. But I mean, Fabe finished with four blocks. He had a double, double, 12 points, 11 rebounds. In the third quarter alone, when Rudy got into foul trouble, he comes in, the Jazz missed eight three-pointers, turned the ball over four times, and they were within striking distance because- Because of Derek. Because Fave was blocking shots, because he was getting timely rebounds, and because he was dunking the ball and hitting clutch free throws. The only reason they were in striking distance at all to even come back into that game was because of Derek Favors. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair. And I don't mean to be poo-pooing on Derek because I thought he was great. One of the lone bright spots of the game. But he right. was still hunted. Yeah, and that and exactly what you said. If Derek Favors is the best player on the floor, then you've got problems. And that that is the problem, is that Derek Favors looked like the best player on the floor. And then, you know, just the Jazz again had a puncher's, not even a puncher's chance. They had a very realistic chance of stealing this game after Gobert fouls out. And Bogey, I really hope that man got some treatment because his back's gotta be hurting for after carrying the Jazz in the second half. He did not score in the first half, had 29 in the second half. and was fabulous and was aggressive. And I hope that's the precedent. And I hope Bogey knows that's the Bogey that the Jazz need going forward in this series. Boyan gets a a lot of grief on the socials about turning the ball over. And the thing about Boyan's turnovers is that they usually come very early and in clumps. And then he usually doesn't have them later in the game. That's right. what happened. He had three turnovers in the opening minutes of the first quarter tonight, and the, and they were bad, and they did give the Grizzlies confidence, but it's not like he averages more turnovers than Mike or Donovan does. It's uh, true. And it's not like he's not able to come back and score in bunches in a way that can lift you in the fourth quarter. Like, he does those things. And so I, I don't want to get too angry or, like, mm-hmm. overreact about Boyan's turnovers because – but I will say, this is not the team to do it against. You can't. It's a playoffs. So you mm-hmm. got to cut it out. You got to execute better. You got to take better care of the ball. And Boyan himself is mad about this. It's not like he's leaving the game and thinking like, well, that went well. I played a good game. We talked to him after the game and he was pissed off about the turnovers. That That's what he was talking about right off the bat was way too many live ball turnovers. And he knew that he was responsible for a lot of them. Which is exactly what you want to hear after after that kind of a game. Right. Yeah. Good job on, on the 29 points, but you still got the L. Yep. And at the end of the day, that's the only thing that matters. And, and just a couple more things I wanted to talk about, too. I was super impressed with the way that the Grizzlies held their poise going, you know, as they were losing the lead and, and the Jazz were making that final push especially there were two huge plays at the end of the game. There was a brilliant foul by Kyle Anderson in the final seconds when the Jazz got, what was it? They got the rebounds and Boyan's driving and Kyle Anderson fouls him when they're up three. Yeah. And then uh, there was an even more brilliant out of bounds play where Dylan Brooks comes off, I think a double or triple screen. I know Royce slipped, but he was still behind him. Dylan Brooks is scoring regardless of Royce O'Neal falling or not. Right. Brilliant play. Head scratching defense by Royce. 
And ultimately, the I think the theme of this game is like the Jazz f-ed around and they found out. Yeah, exactly. There's so many factors going into it. You can make all the excuses you want. You could say that there's silver linings. You know, they shoot a regular percentage, they win that game. They don't turn the ball over so many times, they win that game. It doesn't matter. This is the playoffs. You don't get to rewind. They're down 0-1 now. They got to turn it around and figure it out next game. But I am going to push back a little bit because I actually do think there are a few silver linings and I don't want jazz fans to go all chicken little and think the sky is falling. Yeah. It's not. Here's the, here's, here's the thing. I wrote these down. This is what you're here for. This is, this is good. Yes. Because... This is a good therapy session. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to, this is, this is what you can look forward to. The jazz had their second worst shooting night of the season. Yes. The jazz had 14 turnovers. Yes. The jazz had two of their all-stars who were available we're in foul trouble and miss large chunks of the game. Important your, chunks. Yes. Your only Western Conference player of the week, Boyan Bogdanovich, he did not score in the first half. First. And your team was missing Donovan, who obviously the Jazz game plan for. And it was a one possession game on the final play. The fact of the matter is, is that you got a Grizzlies team who gave you all they could have and had a wonderful game and got tons of breaks and played their guts out. And again, so doff your hat to them, but still, this was a game that you had a chance to win or tie or go into overtime on the final play of the game. Now they got a lot of stuff to clean up and moving forward. It's all about how you respond, but there are some things that you can take away from this game. This was a perfect blueprint on what not to do. Now, don't do it again. Yeah, don't do it again. <laughs> don't do yeah. that. There's something that I talk about a lot in in parenthood. And I think this is an analogy that works. And I talk to this with my son. And I say, there are differences between mistakes and problems. Jazz made a lot of mistakes in this game. Mistakes happen. We're human. Not everything's going to go according to plan. You're not always going to have a storybook ending. But you can. What you are in charge of is not repeating those mistakes. When you repeat mistakes over and over again, those become problems and problems are not acceptable. So that's what the Jazz have to do moving forward. Don't turn your mistakes into problems. Don't around, don't find out again. You found out, now don't do it again. The end. Such a good dad, Greg. (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you. Is there anything else that we want to say about this game? Is there is there anything else that we missed? I've had a lot of people tweet at me because I said that Quinn Snyder was going to coach circles around the Grizzlies. <laughs> and I am I will die in this hell. I thought the game plan was awesome. The Jazz got a ton of open looks. It's just missed shots. It's a make or miss league. Also- yeah. And like you, you can't dribble into traffic. Like, for example, there were a couple of plays where like, Mike Conley drove into the trees and just like inexplicably throws it out to the three-point line, like straight to Dylan Brooks. And there was, there was a specific play. I think it was fourth quarter. The Jazz were making a little bit of a comeback. Rudy Gobert had that huge dunk off the pick and roll. Niang hits a three and the Jazz get a turnover. And Clarkson goes three on one. When he has Oni sprinting on the, the left hand, all Jordan has to do is drop the ball off to Oni. Oni gets a dunk. He was ahead of everyone. Instead, Triple J blocks Jordan Clarkson right. and then comes down and hits a transition three yeah. and kills all the jazz momentum. 
gets the Grizzlies back up double digits. And I kind of just, I looked at my wife and I was like, that's it. That just killed all your momentum. And those, yeah, those are the type of plays you just can't have. Again, you cannot have them against this team. This Memphis team is incredibly beatable. Yes. This is not, I still believe that the Jazz are going to win this series Mm -hmm. because this Grizzlies team is, is not infallible. But the one thing that they do really well is beat you in transition and force you to turn over the ball. You cannot feed into that game or you're going to look real dumb at the end of the day. Yeah. And maybe this is me being the eternal optimist that I am. That's what I know you as. Yes. No, (laughs) this is an anti-cynicism podcast. If I'm being the eternal optimist, this may actually end up being a good thing for the Jazz. I don't know. Again, it, it all depends on how they respond. But sometimes it's really good to get your ass kicked. Yeah. And like brings you back down to earth. And maybe the Jazz needed that kind of gravity and realized that like, no, nah, you, you're not going to coast against this team. Like, don't play with your food. Yeah. Eat. I'll slap you around a little bit and wake you up. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the Mike Tyson quote. Everybody knows what they're doing until they get punched in the face. <laughs> you got punched in the face. What are you going to do now? You know what I'll, I'll also say about, you know, the point that people are, you know, coming back at you, pushing back about you saying that Quinn is going to coach circles around Taylor Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Let's wait till the series is over. How you respond also goes to the coach too. We're going to see a lot about what Quinn Snyder and Taylor Jenkins are made of over the next few days. Yeah. I forgot the character's name, but... In that post game, when I was watching him, he looked like the uh, the rage teacher from Daria. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, same haircut. Oh, I stand Daria. <laughs> yes. Wait, there's something on television you watch? <laughs> I watch a lot of television, <laughs> just not movies. <laughs> That's game one, guys. Jazzfall, they're down 0-1 to the Grizzlies. Game two is on Wednesday, and then game three is on Saturday. You've got two days in between first and second game and a second and third game. And so both teams are going to have a lot of time by the time that we finish game three to have practiced, prepped, game planned, schemed, and cleaned up those mistakes if they are able to do that. So you can expect these recap pods after every playoff game, whether or not I'm able to keep Greg up past midnight on every one of those. It remains to be seen, but you will get a recap episode along with your your weekly episodes. So like, subscribe, follow, download, do all of the things. Greg, get some sleep. If you would like to really up the ante for me during these playoffs, please DM me and I can tell you my coffee order. (laughs) Please DM Greg and uh, get his Venmo information and get him a Starbucks card. (laughs) You can follow Greg at DadShamDad. You can follow me at NBA Sarah. You can follow the pod at Unsalvageables. And we will see you next time.